it's more so, you know, if, if if I'm asked to do it, you know, then 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 I do it. You know, in certain situations, as of you know, late where um, it, it's got to come off scrambles and stuff like that, whereas teams may not, you know, allow me to scramble as much as you know, um, people asking why I'm not running and stuff like that. Like it's not, it's not. <laughs> not by you know want to or anything like that i think just design right now is uh we, we probably you know i've said i would you know i would i would love to implement that more but um i just asked you know i do what i'm asked to wait earlier in the show Bick, you said kyler murray danced around that running question was that the dance you were refer- there you referring go. to yeah that was pretty good wasn't it uh that was quite Tried to stare like <laughs> yeah, a little soft shoe yeah uh by the way i can't hear that song without thinking about anchor man <laughs> That's just where my brain goes. This whole topic about Kyler Murray running is be- is becoming a thing. Um, you know, last week we saw his running totals way down. Two carries, what was it, eight yards mm-hmm. total? Uh, I think he was outrushed by Matthew Stafford for most of the game, and Matthew Stafford isn't exactly known for his. Uh, being fleet of foot. No. And the numbers that we went over earlier this week are very, very clearly delineated. When Kyler Murray runs a lot, the Cardinals win. When mm-hmm. he runs, sometimes they're a 500 team, and when he runs a little bit, they lose every game. Yes. Yes. And the stuff in the middle doesn't really concern me as much as the stuff on the ends, and that is the high degree of success when he, when he is really, really... Um, really exhibiting himself as a dual threat. And we've seen those games. We've seen those games when he has a defense on skates, when when the story becomes the frustration of the other defense and and the defensive coordinator who can't, you know, because again, it's 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 really fundamental when you ask a football player uh, to, to, to execute a play and they do and they still fail. It can have a dramatic effect, just yes. like just like those Raiders play uh, on that play when Kyler Murray was was scrambling for 21 seconds in a play that lasted 28 seconds, the Raiders probably played better defense for nearly half of a minute than they thought was cap- they were capable of, and then they still paid for it in the end. Yes. So they, it can have incredibly demoralizing effects. So we've seen those games. Uh, the, this other side of the stat, though, this fact that if you do not engage in this a handful of times, you are going to lose, that's what's hitting home now. Yeah, and even Kyler, after the Rams game, he didn't necessarily back it up in that answer. And, and, and that soundbite, but you know, he talked to me, hey, the Rams rush me differently. They're, they're smart. They know how to defend me a little bit. Cliff Kingsbury was asked yesterday, are defenses doing things differently to stop Kyler from running? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell um, sometimes. Um, you know, he didn't get out as much last week, but they were really keeping things in front. You know, Ben but don't break had a good plan and, and uh, you know, held us to field goals, which um, was, a, was a great scheme and great job by them. But, you know, he, he picks his, his spots and um, knows when he utilizes legs. I, that, that's where it gets frustrating, not just on this note about the Cardinals offense, is and, and we had fun with it in years prior, you know, the, the Cliff Kingsbury refrain of, oh, they had a really good plan. You heard it there. Well, what's your plan to combat their plan? It's like, here's our plan. Here's how we're being defended. Oh, that well... They got our number two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where's where's right. the adjustment? Right, the, right. That's exact, and that's and that causes a lot of stress because the head coach gets ticked off at the defensive core. What are you doing? Stop that guy! Yeah, I'm trying. What do you want me to do? And now they're screaming at each other. You don't think teams gear up to stop Lamar Jackson from running? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to give you a list of quarterbacks right now, and you tell me what they have in common. Okay, all right. Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Jones, Josh Allen, Justin Fields. 
Marcus Mariota, Joe Burrow, and Trey Lance. What do those eight quarterbacks have in common? They've all got more running yards right now than Kyler Murray does through three games. Oh, so that's whoa. Well, you can't slow down Daniel Jones. Well, Daniel Jones, Daniel is, a Jones is a good runner. Threat. He's is a very he? good Joe runner. Joe Burrow, not exactly known for his Don't wheels. Do you remember when he tripped himself on the way to the end zone? He had that breakaway run. <laughs> Kyler Murray has one more rushing yard than Jacoby Brissett See, through three weeks. The fact that Joe Burrow's got more rushing yards, that, that tells so us. So it gets down to this. Trey Lance didn't even play last week. And was hurt early in week two. That? And he's got more yards about than that? Kyler Murray. It's, this, come, this has come up a couple of times, and Kyler Murray always goes to this stock answer that I just execute the plays that are called. And yet, that's that, that to me is a very reflexive answer that it dances around the truth of the matter. You can choose to do this. He's been doing it his whole life. He just knows in the NFL, this ain't no joke. Yeah, here was Kyler Murray yesterday talking about not necessarily just his role in the run game, but the run game in general and how much the Cardinals need to rely on. I mean, I think it, I think it has to. Um, well, I know it has to. You know, um, I think uh, offensively, you can't run the ball. You, you know, it's going to be tough days. You know, so, and that's that's when we're throwing the ball fifty eight times. Obviously, you know, when we got we got everybody fully loaded and ready to go, um, the guys that we have out, you know, get get hot back, Tweez, Rondell, and then. You know, keys and stuff like that within, um, and have everybody else that we do. Then it would be easier to do those things. But right now, situation we're in, um, yeah. Even with those guys running the ball, you got to run the ball. You have to. Yeah, it, it, it's become a thing, uh, and the running game in general. Obviously, when you fall behind as quickly and by as much as the Cardinals have early in games, the running game goes out the window. But mm-hmm. when they have run the ball. I mean, James Conner has looked different this year. Uh, he hasn't, you know, I know he's been battling a couple of injuries. Yeah. Uh, but he's, you know, he's averaging three yards a pop. And that's down almost a yard per carry from last year when he was at 3.9. And we haven't seen. Which wasn't that great anymore. We well. haven't seen the effectiveness really in short yardage and red zone either from James Conner, which were both strengths last year. If this offense could produce big plays organically, we may not be leading on the quarterback to provide those kind of jolts, those kind of impact plays that really tilt a playing field. But we're getting a lot of just the same dink and dunk stuff behind the line of scrimmage, um, trickeration. You know, as you pointed out, there's sometimes there's sometimes when when a play is called that you look and you go, what is the point of that? And f- James Conner and the Wildcat, for instance, there is no logical reason. You've already got the greatest Wildcat threat back there. There's yeah, one no, that can actually throw. There's right. There's <laughs> no reason to suddenly make this a ten against eleven I, exercise. Can you? All the times they've done it, because they've done it a bunch of times. They and have. I can never remember it breaking for a big play. I seem to remember it's a, couple, a bad idea. A couple times with Chase Edmonds in the last couple of years, All right. where he got some yards, but you know yeah. Chase Edmonds isn't here anymore. This this offense has got to find a different level, and they've got to find a way to 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 sort of really hurt defenses vertically. Because mm-hmm. if that's the quarterback Kyler Murray wants to be, and if the running it causes him this kind of stress, then I don't know where you're going to go with this. You know, you're going to win a lot of football games with Kyler Murray staying in the pocket. To date, they haven't. No, I don't think so. So, so we know we know that the Cardinals win by two ways here. They win either they get ahead of you, and because they're good front runners, mm-hmm. 
or Kyler goes crazy with the with the dual threat stuff. Yeah, those are the two ways Cardinals win football games. Yeah, it, uh, I mean the, the blueprint is out there, yeah. not just for other teams, but for them as well. And they got to make that blueprint happen. Coming up next, could we be seeing a significant change on the Suns roster before opening night? The head coach is pushing for it. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. That didn't really bother me. You know, once I learned all the stuff that was going on, I was like, okay, it is what it is. Um, in this league, you're going to have distractions. My thing is I, I can't focus on it. Once I know what it is, then I can move forward. And so from a timeline perspective, I, that part didn't bother me as much. Um, whatever happens there, we'll, we'll deal with it and move forward. We, we've done a, a decent job of acclimating guys into the program, and that's a credit to the coaches, but also the players that help guys along once we get new people in here. And so I'm not so worried. I'm not so much worried about the timeline. Ideally, I mean, you'd like to get somebody in here before opening night, but I like the group we have. I mean, Dario can play some uh, four. Tori can play some four. Damian can play some. Uh, Cam's going to have a bigger role. And so from that perspective, I think we'll be okay. It's Monty Williams yesterday at Suns uh, training camp talking about the Jay Crowder situation, You know, not being bothered by it when you know all of the, the details of it. But the part that stood out to me, Bick, was was Monty Williams freely saying, ideally, you'd like to have somebody in here before opening night, mm-hmm. which is like three weeks away, three weeks away from um, from today when they take on the Dallas Mavericks. I'm wondering how possible that is, again, with the stance that Jay Crowder has taken, and now it's become public and everybody in the league knows he is not going back to Phoenix. We got these. If we want Jay Crowder, we kind of got them over the barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, what can the Suns get back? And we talked to Kellen Olson yesterday about that. And he kind of th- felt the, 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 w- the way that I presented the question was, it doesn't seem like a, they could get much back at all in this yeah. scenario. And he kind of felt the same way. Mm-hmm. This is also a situation that could drag on for quite some time. We've seen players just go away from teams. Uh, until something can be worked out in the NBA. It hasn't happened in Phoenix too often. I guess the most uh, recent example would be the I don't want to be here Eric Bledsoe tweet. But that only dragged on for a couple of weeks. I, this one, if the Suns really want to get something of value for Jay Crowder, uh-huh. this, this might last a, quite some time. And Jay Crowder might be collecting paychecks for sitting on his couch. Well, okay, so this to me now, this to me speaks to a failure of James Jones because you could have, you could have dealt this guy. Um, everybody seems to report, be reporting the same thing that the framework for a deal with Utah was in place that would get Boyan Bogdanovich here. The Suns wanted another player as well. Mm -hmm. So this multiplayer deal that would have been Shamit and Crowder going there and Bogdan, it it, it just disappeared. And then Bogdanovich got dealt elsewhere and now you're stuck with Jay Crowder. That, to me, I don't know how you don't paint that a failure from James Jones's perspective. Right now it is, and, mm-hmm. and unless they rebound from it. That got so so much buzz that, did you hear Dario Sharitz talking about, he and Bogdanovich were talking about being teammates when they were working out together in Europe. Yeah. Um, and how cool it would be, and, and it, it obviously didn't come to fruition. But no. How do they rebound? Kevin Zimmerman has a piece up um, on ArizonaSports.com, what the Suns could get back in, in a Jay Crowder uh, trade, and look, he, he's got Utah on there. I, I I don't see Jay Crowder being happy 
going back to Utah in a rebuild mode. Jay Crowder is very much a piece that can help a contending team. Mm-hmm. And there's teams out there, Miami, Boston, um, that, that could really use the services. But I also don't see those teams necessarily giving up something of value to help the Suns in that. This is a no. very weird situation. Well, it, 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 and again, it would help if Miami really wanted Jay Crowder back because the, the Miami has a need for that position. In fact, people have been asking Jimmy Butler, hey, man, can you play the four? And he's like, I ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so maybe this speaks to what you're talking about. If, if Miami has the need and Jay Crowder fits their culture and they love their culture guys as you know then why can't you get something done right now with them uh, here and now and it might be exactly that the heat might go enough they're desperate we don't have to we don't have to indulge them right now or it's just a, a continued to be a case of James Jones asking for too much when he's getting involved in these conversations I go back to the uh, I would love to know the the inner details on the whole Kevin Durant thing because there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not James Jones was being uh, stingy with some of his draft picks. I went back. I, if you go back and you look at Flex from Jersey, he tweeted on July 1st that a Durant deal might happen in the next 24 hours. I know we, we all know that. We all live that, mm-hmm. even if I was out of the country at the time. But we all live that. But when you go back and you look at that, it jars you at how close insiders thought that trade was. Mm-hmm. But that was also before we had the the muddling of the DeAndre Ayton situation mm-hmm. by you know the the Indiana Pacers offering yeah. that that offer sheet. So, that was still possible at that point. So so at some point in time now, this is going to become a talent issue. It's not it's not going to be so much an issue about who's happy and who's not happy here. It's about who do you have to play basketball. It's you know I, I'm real curious about this whole Landry Shamit story. The Landry Shamit made news at Media Day for volunteering this this familial issue he's been dealing with, where mm-hmm. where he, he had never met his biological father. He did. He found out he's got three siblings. He didn't know he had, and he said it provided a lot of closure for him, and it and it it, it closed the door on a lot of things that were kind of holding him back. And I didn't know whether to feel enthused about that or or kind of like wow that's that was holding you back from doing your job. Uh, so I, I don't I, I look at this roster and I just I, I hope they have enough. I, I hope they get enough. Yeah. Because I've I'm a little bit worried about that to be honest with you. Monty Williams, of course he's the head coach, he's gonna say this, but he also talked about this roster right now being way ahead of where these team his team was at this point the last two years. I think if you talk to our guys we're so far ahead of where we were even last year. Um, both offensively and defensively, we've been able to add a lot of stuff or, or input a lot of stuff that we already had, and we've been able to push it a bit because guys are familiar. We played more in this camp than in any camp I've ever been involved in. I mean, we, we played five on five day one. We got after it today. We scrimmaged probably three quarters, if I'm not mistaken. I may have the times off, but we, we scrimmaged a lot. So from that standpoint, it's been, been good for us. Uh, I think guys are going to be in much better shape going into the season because we played a lot. Yeah, in terms of uh, you know, what could come back in a Crowder deal, that piece again by Kevin Zimmerman, mm-hmm. um, you know, he looks at Dallas, um, a, team, a player like Davis Bertans, who kind of fell out of favor in Dallas. Oh, you know, did he? I didn't even know that. Yeah, he, I mean, he signed a big contract after what he did in Washington, and he's mm-hmm. been a disappointment in Dallas. A guy that can really shoot the ball, 
Um, and actually had some moments in that series against sure the Suns. Sure did. Uh, Dwight Powell, uh, a guy who also has fallen out of favor with JaVale McGee in town now and, and Christian Wood in the mix. Is there opportunity for Dwight Powell? I don't think he really helps or fills what the Suns need. I, I think they need shooting yep. or a, a, you know, a, a versatile four with a little bit of length, and he, he can't shoot the ball. I mean, he's, he's an around-the-rim guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I mean, does this devolve into a situation where it drags on and, and the Suns buy out Jay Crowder? Uh, see now that see right and 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 that would be that would be deflating, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. If if that's the end game here, yeah, he gets what he wow. wants, and, and, get, and the Suns get nothing get in return. The bag and yeah. you get nothing in return when that, that's that that to me that's the kind of stuff that's got me worried here. That that I I hope that at the end of it all there will be some some fortifications to this roster. Yeah, uh, one other name of note. Uh, that really popped out to me. Uh, a, a Memphis, Brandon Clark. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that that can. You, I think I watch Brandon Clark play, and he plays so hard. He's so athletic, and he fits a lot of what the Suns would need from a four position. Even though he's a little bit undersized, yeah. That that would be a nice save for James Jones if he could it's, make something like that happen. It's it, it, but it's also so hard to trade because teams now That's, have already committed to who they have. Uh-huh. Teams have already been scrimmaging and practicing. And like you pointed out, they're getting ready for their first preseason games. Basketball teams don't want to rip up and start over and 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 sort of assimilate a new piece if they don't feel there's a dramatic need for yeah, it. Very true. Coming up next, we have the big stories of the day with Sarah Cazell. She'll take us through the Rush Hour reboot. Spickley and Murata mornings on this Thursday, live from the Ak-Chan Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning and happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome on into Bickley Emirata Mornings here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's 7.30, so that means we're taking you through the top stories of the day, like we do every single day at this time, with the Rush Hour Reboot. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. Hey, yuck so much. <laughs> Wait, Jared Carlin, I didn't introduce you yet. We had some guys just uh, crap their pants. <laughs> That sounds about right. When did he say that, by the way? It was when he was the coach of Tampa a couple years ago. Oh, okay. He said it on July 29th, 2019. So I had no idea. Started training camp. All right. Pre Brady. Guys are still crapping their pants in Tampa Bay before Brady got there. (laughs) We had some guys just uh, crap their pants. Very cool stuff. All right, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals, shall we? A couple days out from their Week 4 matchup against the Carolina Panthers on the road. Yesterday, Kyler Murray was asked about having to trust his head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, when Cliff says it's better to have adversity early on in the season, like the Cardinals have, rather than later in the season, which the Cardinals also have had. I mean, you have to. You got to. You got to stay, like I said, um... You know, it's just a little bit of adversity. You know, that's, that's never hurt anybody. You know, I think everybody in this room has felt adversity. Everybody in the locker room has felt adversity. Um, otherwise, we probably wouldn't be where we are. So uh, I'm not too much phased by it at all. I know the guys aren't. Obviously, it feels ugly right now to, to, to feel the feeling of losing and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we, we definitely we definitely see a light in the tunnel. We're going to continue to work hard and get better. 
Okay, so with adversity in mind and this uh, matchup on Sunday in mind, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for the Cardinals to overcome against the Panthers? Whether it's a self-imposed challenge by the Cardinals or a challenge presented by the Panthers. What will be the biggest challenge for them to overcome? Could be the weather, too. Uh, no, I think it's going to be self-imposed. Yes. I, think, I think it's the idea of starting fast. It's become such a thing that there's so much pressure to do it, that pressure might make it even harder to do. Yeah. I think and we, I think it will. I think that's relatable to a lot of people when you focus on yes. improving something and it doesn't happen. You're immediately hit with that up. Oh, here we go again. And that is a very hard feeling to overcome. No question. So I think, yeah, I, I think Big hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I know. I certainly have felt that. You put too much stress, too much pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Things only go wrong from there. And then you're a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy, I guess. Yes. All right. Rondale Moore has not played for the Cardinals yet this season after he hurt his hamstring in the lead up to week one against Kansas City. But he was limited in practice yesterday for the first time since suffering that injury. Cliff Kingsbury told reporters that he is hopeful they can get something out of Rondale Moore on Sunday. So, guys, how would you like to see Kingsbury fold in Rondale Moore if he is indeed able to play. Well, if he's able to play, I'd like to see him do something. I, I just, I mean, to me, it's I, I'm, I'm real curious to see how this offense is going to survive the probable loss of AJ Green. I don't know if they'll ever yeah. recover. And so, Rondale Moore's, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you see, you I'm trying that? not to laugh. Okay, okay. Okay. All right, man. So, yeah, so oh. Rondale, delivery there. Yeah, that thank was great. You. Rondale great. Moore. I listen. If he's healthy to go, then go. Use him to stretch the field. I don't want to see him catch passes behind the line of scrimmage. See, I. Think Thing. As he has. I think yeah. he's more apt to play that role. I, what I want to see is if Rondale Moore can go, I don't want to see both he and Hollywood Brown reduced to that guy who's catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Hollywood Brown, you know, he was really good last week in the mm-hmm. role that they asked him to, to, mm-hmm. to play. Yeah, He's got to be a stretch guy. Yeah. And we've not seen that from Rondell Moore, especially in the second half of last season. He became that that guy who was catching a lot of flare-outs and uh, you know, taking a lot of those jet sweep little flip tosses. Um, you can't have two guys playing that role on this offense. Somebody's yeah. got to stretch the field. Listen, had they connected on that deep shot to Hollywood Brown last Sunday, it would have been a monstrous game for Hollywood Brown. Without it, it's one of the least impactful, gigantic statistical days you'd ever find. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's put it. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Vince. Let's uh, stick in the NFL. Let's talk about Brett Favre, shall we? We haven't. We have to. We do. We do because he deserves to be roasted. So we're going to do that now on the Rush Hour reboot. Uh, We haven't had a lot of time to cover this story because it first broke right around the time that the Robert Sarver story was breaking. So uh, for those who need a little bit of a catch up, here are the details. Brett Favre reportedly worked with the then governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, to reroute state welfare and education funds back in 2017 to build a new volleyball facility for his daughter's team at the University of Southern Miss. Then last night, there's a new report from The Athletic detailing Brett Favre apparently using more than $130,000 from his charitable foundation called Favre for Hope to donate to, again, Southern Miss Athletics. Now, the website Favre for Hope, I just checked, it doesn't say anything about Southern Miss Athletics. It says... That the foundation supports charities to provide support to underserved and disabled children and breast cancer patients. But the money is going to Southern Miss Athletics. Uh, This is considered the largest public fraud case in the history of Mississippi. And two people involved have already pled guilty to federal and state fraud charges. 
Let loose on Brett Favre. What do you guys yeah, think about this? I think it's despicable. I really, really do. It's it, listen, Mississippi is one of the poorest states in the nation. Uh-huh. And it, it's it's so disheartening when you just hear these stories after stories after stories where money that's intended to try to lift up poor people, which we really should try to do on some level, yeah. if we're actually human. But, and, yes. but you know, volleyball. But right, and, and it's just it's just depressing to see this this happen repeatedly. Um, but yeah. It, it, I, I think that it, it just dis, it's disgusting is what it is. Yeah, it's I mean, disgusting. I saw a report yesterday, and not to get off on a tangent here, there was a report that Mississippi drivers are the most reckless drivers in the nation. And I started reading the story. I'm like, why? Because they're the most amount of drivers that do not have auto insurance. And I'm like, that's not a reckless problem. That's a poverty problem. Okay. Yeah. So, so getting hey, and and it's not logical. If you didn't there's have insurance, of, wouldn't you be more careful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's yeah. Again, there's just and and so I just think that this is it's such a bad look, and it's uh, for volleyball. It's more than a bad look. It's probably it's, criminal. It's criminal. It is. I, I mean. I think everything you need to know about Brett Favre, the person, came out when those the, the text message exchange yeah. with the former governor yeah. when he asked the appendage will, images. Will, oh, they, no, will the, the media one. find that's out right. about this, and will they find out about how much? I mean, yeah, what, right. You're, you're, find you're defined, not those text messages, Dan. You're, yeah. <laughs> well, those text messages yeah. too. Uh, it's a little but at the point that if if his timing was a little different, if those messages were more recent than past, so the the guy's been a scumbag for a long time. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Yeah, we're yes. just kind of now holding and an accountable. An extremely player. overrated football player, yeah. too. I mean, was he? <laughs> he was fun to watch. I Jared, mean, he was, everybody's overrated all well, the time. Well, listen, <laughs> it, it, he was Not champion everyone. for being a gunslinger. Right. Yes, that was the term. Even though at the times he was a turnover machine. He plays football in jeans. Reckless. That's, well, that's all you need to know about that's him. That's a dip in his lip. <laughs> right? A lot of chafing going on. <laughs> a lot of chafing. And a body glide right there. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, guys. That's the Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, we'll go around the league. And for a guy who doesn't really say much, man, Bill Belichick gives us a lot of viral sound bites. We'll get into that and more NFL talk next. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Is the plan built for Max to have any kind of procedure to help along with the process here? Day by day, son. Day by day. That's the plan. Day by day. <laughs> Does he have a high ankle sprain? Day by day. <laughs> what do I look like? A doctor? An orthopedic surgeon? Like, I don't know. Talk to the medical experts. What are the medical experts on staff that do? Day by day. <laughs> we'll evaluate him, Dave. I mean, what difference does it make to me? What do, you, do you think I'm going to read the MRI? <laughs> like, that's not my job. So. Yeah, but it's theirs, and they, they talk to you about it, right? Yeah, it's day by day. Day by day. <laughs> day by day. Oh, Bill Belichick giving us more gold there. Uh, Mike Reese from ESPN, who covers the Patriots, broke it down in his press conference. He used the phrase day by day 12 times. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it's an answer like day day. to a question, does Mac Jones have a high ankle sprain? Day, day by day. day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new on to Cincinnati. Bill Belichick is good for those bits or those sound bites two to three times a year. Two to three times a year, you'll yes. get the robotic, monotonous, repetitive dismissal of the media. Now, and that's what you're getting. He's dealing with other issues because, yeah, I, Mac Jones, the way he left oh. that game late and hobbled off in, in obvious pain, we have to believe it's a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. What happens now if Mac Jones can't go? Uh, would it be Brian Hoyer? Brian yes, Hoyer. it would be. And yeah. uh, here's Mike Reese from ESPN saying that's not a great situation for the Patriots. To me, the ceiling with Mac is a lot higher, especially the way he played last year as a rookie when he had Josh McDaniels. When we talk about what the system is right now for the Patriots, I'm not sure it's the same system as they were running last year when Mac had such a promising rookie season. And I think that's why we've seen the struggles from him a little bit, just trying to get him comfortable. So I think just from overall, I look at Mac at a higher level, and I look at Brian as sort of a perfect backup, a veteran who maybe can get you through a couple games if the starter goes down, but if you had to be with him for the long haul, I don't think your upside is as high as it would be if Mac Jones was in there. Brian Hoyer, all due respect, is like the definition of the career backup that just never goes away. He's a poor man's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's always got a job. That's a good he, way to put it. Ryan is. Fitzpatrick, when he got pressed in, he played. I, he, he produced. Yeah. Brian Hoyer really has never done much. Like Colt McCoy. Well, no, I think Brian Hoyer is actually has had has had some good games. He uh, he he filled in for a, a short stint with the Patriots when he was really good. But the problem is, is when you expect more from him. It's that old line in that song you like to to quote. Uh, Brian Hoyer was uh, he was a Cardinal for a very brief time. He and, was. And I I remember having a conversation with him, and I was very impressed with him. He was started just, one game. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if they won or lost it. I'm guessing they lost they it. They lost. 2012. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's like a poor man's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's never going to be more than a backup quarterback, but there's been times when he's been surprisingly competent as a backup quarterback. Now, is he a long-term play for New England? No, I, I would trust Mike Reese on that. No, um, Brian Hoyer has not won a game that he started since 2016 with the Bears. 0-6 the next year between New England and San Francisco. 0-1 with the Colts in 2019. 0-1 with the Patriots yeah. in 2020. And you wonder why why that is the backup in New England. Is it just a comfort level that, that Bill Belichick has? Because, listen, part of Bill Belichick's success has been always bringing in the right kind of people. Smart. Yeah. People who can execute a game plan. People who can change a game plan in the middle of a game. Players who are smart enough to be something in week one and then something completely different in week four. Four, maybe even week two requires a lot of brain power, but then he also leans on cer- a certain type of guy. And the Brian Hoyer thing is, I, I, I wonder why he hasn't upgraded that at this point. I think it is a comfort level yeah. um, because I think this is Brian Hoyer's fourth different stint with the Patriots. Is it really? <laughs> Just keep okay. bringing him well, there back. You go. He's like Billy Martin. Yeah, right. That's exactly <laughs> who he is. Never gets fired, but keeps coming back. Here was more from Bill Belichick on the uh, analysis of the backup position. Now, what does Brian Hoyer bring to the offense? Yeah, Brian's got a lot of experience in the offense. And how would you describe Bailey Zappi's um, progress since the time he was drafted to where we are now? He's gotten a lot better. Wow, he really, he really was putting up a wall yesterday, huh? 
And that's, again, answering wow. questions from the nicest man in sports yeah. media, Mike Reese. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who has like a decade-long relationship. Yeah. Two decade-long, whatever. <laughs> Bill Belichick is so weird. He's gotten a lot better. Remember when that? Did you see that that video when Chris Berman walked in a couple weeks ago? Yeah, and it like he it lit him up. I don't think anybody was still having that reaction to Chris Berman walking that's in. That's, what I'm saying. Saying. that's right. <laughs> Maybe fifteen years ago, right? Back, 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 back. back. Uh, quarterback controversy brewing in Dallas. Jerry Jones said, "Hey, I would welcome that." That would be a good thing. That means Cooper Rush is winning some games. Well, Cooper Rush is winning games. He's won his last two starts. The head coach, Mike McCarthy, uh, he was asked that question by Dallas Media. Do we have a quarterback controversy? Hey, everybody, safe travels home. <laughs> so, I think we get back a little earlier than you do. Sorry about that. <laughs> wow. Did you see Cooper Rush's uh, wife social media post, too? No. Uh, almost two years to the day the New York Giants cut. Cooper saying they wanted to shuttle in some new quarterbacks and take a look. And two years later, there he was at, at MetLife Stadium beating the Giants on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Everybody's rubbing it in. Well, yeah, isn't it a little premature for Cooper Rush to be and and his friends? People, I mean, look, uh, it, it, I think it's still early to put him in this group, but we have seen backup quarterbacks pressed into duty. They've done an admirable job, and they get paid somewhere else the next year. Mm-hmm. Remember the Matt Flynn example? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, he never, doesn't. and he never played for no. Seattle? Right. <laughs> the guy that got that job uh, instead was Russell Wilson, who's now with the uh, Denver Broncos. And they're 2-1. and one. Their offense has looked um, not good. And Russell Wilson has not looked good as quarterback outside of that drive to win the game no. against San Francisco on Sunday night. So during the Manning cast on Monday night... Eli Manning took a little bit of a shot uh, saying, hey, maybe the Broncos should have given their punter $230 million. <laughs> uh, uh, Russell Wilson reacted to that. Come on, Chad Powers? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Chad Powers, you know. Um, I'm 3-0 and against Chad Powers, you know. Um, you know, listen, I, I think that, uh, you know, that it's uh, it's part of the game, man. We're just having, those guys are having fun, you know, and, and everything else. I, I have a lot of respect for Peyton and Eli and, and those guys. Those guys, I mean, you know, I've always looked up to those guys, so I'm not, I'm not stressing about uh, did you see the Chad Powers video? Did you watch it? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. <laughs> there is fast, Chad, fast. such a separation between the Manning brothers' ability, and I know neither one of them is active, but as former athletes, even when they were current athletes, their acting ability in commercials is up here. Then there's like a 50-mile drop-off to everybody else. <laughs> and that includes Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes is pretty terrible in commercials. Yeah, he's I pretty think. bad. Yeah, he's not good. Yeah. But those guys, I mean, they are so good at it. Mm-hmm. Even the one, uh, the, the the one sportsbook commercial where Cooper steals <laughs> steals the show. Yeah. Even he's a good actor. I think it's because they have those doofy faces. Yeah, yeah, and I <laughs> where think, it's like yeah, they right. can like play it, play like the dry humor, sort of like very well. It's all comic delivery. They're really good at it. Eli, Peyton gets uh, Peyton. Peyton set the tone for everybody. Yes. You know what I mean? It, it's it was it's very it was probably easy for Eli to kind of. Find that lane as a personality yes. because of how overshadowing his big brother was. But Eli in that Chad Powers video was great. Yeah. And he's also uh, in one of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketches of all time when he was on trial for, for murder and it came down to his text messages. 
It is absolutely hilarious. I didn't see that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know oh, that one. I'll have to share it with you guys. Oh, yeah, it's a classic. It's, it's really, really funny. He has to reenact the emojis. Yes. Oh, he's sticking out his tongue. It's just brilliant. you up. You up. You out. You up. You out. Who dis? Uh, coming up next, the eight o'clock hour is upon us, and that means the Bickley Blast will soon be upon you as well. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.